I'm Maria Stolger and welcome to episode 72 of Talking with Painters. This is the first of three episodes where I take you through the Archibald Wynne and Sulman exhibitions at the Art Gallery of New South Wales and the exhibition is on until 8 September 2019. If you haven't heard it already, have a listen to my short introduction in episode 71 which explains a bit more about how you can see the works I'm going to talk about. Basically, you don't have to be at the gallery to listen to this but it would be good if you were. This year, the Art Gallery has come up with the brilliant idea of starting the exhibition with the Sir John Sulman Prize. Well done, whoever thought of that. I love the Sulman and I believe it is terribly underrated. So what is the Sulman Prize? Well, it's basically a competition for subject, genre or mural painting, to which most people say, what does that mean? But I always think of it as the prize you enter when your painting doesn't quite fit into the criteria for the Archibald or the win. But don't take me literally on that in case your painting gets rejected next year. So the first painting we're going to look at is by John Bokor. It's a beautiful interior called 4.30pm. It's number 84. It's a lovely interior with a coffee table and couches and paintings covering the walls. Apart from interiors, John also paints still lifes and landscape. And I was just down in his studio a few months ago and shot some video, which you can see if you click on the John Bokor link. What's interesting about John's work, apart from his wonderful use of colour, which his fans are constantly commenting on on Facebook, is that he uses airbrush as a tool to draw into his paintings. Often he'll start off with some airbrush, come over that with oil paint and then airbrush again into that. And if you look closely at the work, you'll see the airbrush marks, especially on that area of the rug. But there's never a set formula he uses in his process and he works very intuitively. You can also see areas where he's scratched into the wet paint, presumably with a pencil, uh, revealing those layers beneath. And in fact, drawing is a big part of his practice. There are always drawings on the go in his studio and he even paints on the drawings on paper and he says that that can loosen him up in preparation for his painting work. It's also important to him to use the unconscious part of the brain and not to overthink steps in the painting process. Have a listen to what he has to say about that. How I sort of think about it with with painting is that your your kind of instinctual subconscious brain is further ahead of the game than your conscious brain. So it's best not to think about things too much as you're doing them, but to just do and respond to, I guess, instinct and what something's telling you to do. If you think, oh, that has to be a dark blue, don't go, oh, but it might look good as a sort of more ready tone. I've got a lot of cool tones in this painting, so I probably need to bring a warm tone in. So I'll ignore my first instinct. You should never do that. If it's wrong in the process further down the line, then change it. The next painting is by Paul Ryan called Yeah, the Boys, Wollongong Boys, and it's number 104. It's a painting of three young men in swaggering poses in the landscape, standing beneath a flag, dressed in their tracksuits and runners. 
It's from a series he did in the last year focusing on that culture of young men that, as he puts it, maybe feel left behind in a fast-changing world, a world of me too and falling employment. Paul's had the rare distinction of being finalist in all three categories of the Archibald Wynn and Sulman in the one year on at least two occasions. He's been a finalist in these prizes many more times and he almost did it again this year being selected in two categories and we'll be seeing his other painting in the Archibald. Paul's work ranges from colonial figures in the landscape, sometimes headless, to the face of the actor Noah Taylor, which he painted dozens of times. And if you see my video of his entry into the Archibald a couple of years ago, you'll see a mixed media work that was definitely pushing the boundaries. Paul is a master of the economical brushstroke. And if you look closely at this painting, you'll see figures are made up of a small number of beautifully applied, mostly large, thick brushstrokes. It looks offhand, but in fact, they're very carefully placed. Not only the tone, but the shape of that paint is extremely important to him. And have a look at the splayed hand of that middle figure, a flatter shape creating a crucial negative space in the painting. I'm sure Paul would have been thinking about shapes like these when working the composition. Here's Paul talking about his painting process. Once I've got the structure drawn onto the canvas, that's kind of the, the superstructure of the painting. Yeah. But once that's on, anything can happen with the way the paint actually goes on. Right. And so I'm, I'm, I'm very open to letting the paint do a bit of the talking and telling me where the painting's going. And in the end, that's what happens is you start painting and then the painting tells you where it needs to go next. It's an instinctual thing, I think, with colour and shape and tone. And you have an instant, as you're mixing it on the palette, you go, oh, that's it right there now. As you're mixing back and forth and different colours are coming in, you sort of instinctually know that's what I want. And you go and pick it up, put it down, splat, stand back, look at it, go, yes, happy with that, then go and do the next bit. The next painting is a work by Ken Doan. It's called Dive 3 and it's number 87. Ken Doan probably has the most recognised name of any living artist in Australia. He has two works in this exhibition. The other one is in the Win Prize. He started off his career in advertising and was internationally acclaimed in that field. But then he decided one drizzly day in London that he wanted to focus on painting and he and his family returned to Australia. He had his first exhibition when he was 40 and 39 years later, he is still going strong. His Harbourside studio is what you can only dream of as an artist and you can have a look inside that studio on the podcast video. This is one of his reef paintings and I spent half of my interview with him talking about paintings inspired by Australia's coral reefs, which I believe are some of his best works. They're all abstract or semi-abstract and filled with colour, but more importantly contain a huge variety of marks, from dripping and washes to glazing and stippling. The combination of accident and control is something that Ken is mindful of, as are most artists I've interviewed on the podcast. But what Ken is seeking to do is paint about joy and happiness, and I think it's something he's very good at. I like to make pictures that, first of all, that I like, but then that give people pleasure. And like I think we might have touched on before, don't give you everything on the first viewing. 
are good enough and interesting enough to give you pleasure over time. We're now going to see the winning painting of the Sulman, which is by McLean Edwards, and it's called The First Girl That Knocked on His Door. It's number 88, and it's in the second room of the Sulman paintings at the Art Gallery of New South Wales. It's a painting of a figure in a coat holding an apple with mysterious objects protruding from behind his coat. And this is typical of McLean's wonderful work. He draws and paints figures, sometimes multiple figures on a canvas, sometimes in an empty space, sometimes with curious, enigmatic, animated objects emerging from behind them. But the figure and making the figure conscious of the viewer is central to most of his painting. McLean had his first solo show when he was 16 and was still at school. The school had even given him a studio to work in, so you could say he showed promise at an early age. I interviewed him a couple of years ago in his studio, one of those great spaces with writing and drawings all over the walls and a huge table piled high with tubes of paint, paintings everywhere. In my video, you can see him actually painting and he applies paint straight from the tube onto the canvas. And on this painting, you'll see parts of the canvas really applied with thick paint. And I wouldn't be surprised if they came straight from the tube. Have a listen to, to McLean talking about his work. By the way, he sounds quite serious in these clips here, but in fact, he's very funny. And if you listen to the whole interview, you'll hear he's a great raconteur. You've always been interested in the figure. Has that always mm. been a big part of your work? Yes. Um, I'm not so much interested in representing anatomically correct forms or figures. Mm. I think my stuff's grounded in... Uh, I, I, I love, you know, distortion and, mm. and um, the, the parameters are not necessarily set, but mm. one thing tends to lead to another and it seems to be natural and, and understanding that and... In intuitively interpreting that when you're making a painting is kind of vital to my uh, process. A successful painting for me is um, something has happened or something is about to happen, even though they're static. Mm. I don't like to employ movement in my canvases. They are firm and fixed. The next painting is by Alan Jones and it's number 91. It's called Painting 262, Beechwood Parade. It's a painting of a suburban home with two heads floating in the foreground looking at each other. Alan is a sculptor and a painter and he's won the Kilgour Prize, the Mossman Art Prize and the Brett Whiteley Travelling Scholarship. And his work is always strongly personal. In fact, he won the Kilgour with a painting of his ancestor, convict Robert Forrester. And I saw some amazing soft sculptures of his family, which you can also see on the video. And this particular work comes from a series which he created around his childhood suburb of Cherrybrook in Sydney. You might not notice it at first, but as you get closer, you'll see this work is actually wooden collage and each piece is painted before it's assembled into the work. And the fact that the wooden pieces are painted separately means we get this beautiful delineated effect where the edges create a clear outline of the, of the objects. And then to create those heads, those floating heads, 
He applies thick paint squeezed onto the surface of the painting, and this is usually done with a corking gun, to create this incredible sculptural effect. I actually met up with Alan at the Melbourne Art Fair last year when he was showing a lot of these works at the time, and he was telling me that a lot of these started out as monochrome iPad drawings, which were printed and on display there, and it was so interesting because he was aiming to retain that collage feel in the iPad drawings, and they had such a sense of nostalgia about them. And if you're on Instagram, search the hashtag um, Alan Jones Artist and you'll see my video of him at the Art Fair talking about that. It's from August 2018. And about those twin floating heads, it's a motif he's used before. And this is what he had to say about them. It is two heads mm. um, and they do look at each other. Um, but even still, I, I would consider that like one self-portrait mm. and the reason I would consider it one self-portrait is because it's basically me um, looking at myself taking note of sort of who I am and where where I am in my life and you know me just sort of wanting to get a, away from representing myself as sort of like a literal figure mm. you know, or mm. you know a, a feeling or you know trying to sort of go beyond my sort of physical self. The next painting is by Abdul Abdullah and is called Everything Ever All at Once and it's painting number 81. It's a painting of billowing smoke after an explosion in the um, background but overlaid with a large comical cartoon-like character. Abdul's also has a painting in the Win Prize this year which we'll see a bit later on. He's an excellent painter and his paintings often deliver social or political commentary with a powerful punch. He calls himself an outsider amongst outsiders and he looks at the experience of the other in society, particularly within the Muslim community. Who wouldn't be forced to take a second look at this painting, even if you were one of those people who's rushing to get to the Archibald before the gallery closes? Part of the reason you're going to look is the quality of this painting. That billowing smoke and the heat following that explosion is not only realistic but very painterly and I get a lot of enjoyment just taking in that aspect of his work. But of course the overlay of the comical cartoon-like character uh, totally changes the tone of that work. And when I interviewed him in 2016, his Sulman painting that year was of a military figure with a smiley face similarly overlaid over the painting and this is what he said about that approach well what i like to do is is use potentially conflicting signifiers or, or contradicting signifiers so in this case it's a it's a figure of a, a man who's in the army and in this specific case the man who's in the american army um and the spray paint on the top and i like how you're, when you look at the image, you, the first thing you'll see is the smiley face before focusing in on the um, on the subject that's beneath it, the darker subject that's beneath it. Um, and I've used these figures who are from the, the the army or the Australian army or the Australian Federal Police as who are figures of authority or figures of, of power in the community and in society um, and who people often look to as for security, and that's their role primarily but how they can also be looked at as, as, as a threat. Well, that's it for the podcast guests in the Sulman exhibition. Uh, but of course, there are a lot of other great Sulman paintings. So have a look around in these two rooms. And if you want to join me for the Win exhibition, which is starting in the next room, 
just click play on episode 73.